0: Great, Thank you so much Well, over these past few months we 've been running a series entitled "Why Bother? Um, and it feels like that doesn 't it? Um, the time why, why bother um, And today is the last morning we 're going to be exploring this theme um, and We've been feeling this so much, haven't we? Recently, trying to make plans um, when so much what we normally do is is not possible. Whether it be holidays or, or seeing friends or working patterns, and then you you think you work out right, we can do this, and then a second national lockdown hits, and you have to rework it all over again. We get to a stage where we just think, why bother? And I think we've probably all thought at some point, let's just sit on the sofa and watch Netflix until this is all over. And I feel like that as sometimes. But this is actually an important time for us to press into important truths. Over the course of this series, we've seen that we are not orphans, but sons and daughters, a result of the Father's incredible love and grace. We're not consumers, but servants. We've been transformed from individuals to family members. These identities shape how we respond to the current crisis. We think and act differently to the world because of who God is and who he's called us to be. It's a time also for us to be pressing into important practices committing to the local church, of reading God's words, of praying and of giving generously. God has designed us to function best with these truths and practices in place. And so at this time, let's be doing the basics well and not neglect them, no matter how tempting it feels to chuck it all in at the moment. So today we come to the last in this series, why bother with life groups? Why bother with life groups? Why should we bother with these smaller groups that we have scattered across the church? Well, life group is actually a context for us to apply all of the why bother series. To really press into these these truths over this term, we're looking at those five key gospel identities and working out what does it mean for us in practice Life groups also give us an opportunity to think about those important practices that we've mentioned and work out how does this happen in our day-to-day lives. Life groups are one of the, the two key parts of gateway life, the other being Sunday gatherings. And if you imagine gateway as being a bird or a plane, whichever you prefer, Sundays and life groups are its wings. If both of these wings of Sundays and life groups are strong then we'll be flying well as a church. These two wings provide context for worship, for teaching, for community, and for the gospel to be bearing fruit. As we think about this, it is vital that we remember that life groups are not just about a midweek meeting. We don't go to life group, we are the life group. Just as we don't go to church, we are the church. The church isn't a building and life group isn't just a meeting. You may be wondering, why should we be doing a a sermon on life groups now? Surely it would have been better for us to do this a month ago when life groups were starting off and we could get excited for doing community together. Well, actually, it's helpful for us to think about life groups now because we've had a few weeks to get into it and to remember that sometimes building community is actually really hard. The novelty is worn off and we're finding that one person in the group really irritating. You thought, well, give it a few weeks and they wouldn't get any less annoying, but they do. Somehow they get more annoying. Or it might be that you just find the drainingness of life difficult. And you don't feel like talking or engaging with others. You don't want to call someone you know is struggling. You don't want to reach out to others for prayer. Why should we bother with with life groups in these situations? Why should we bother with community at all? It may be that you're also here and find being part of a church to be actually painful. Maybe you've been hurt in the past, either in another church or in this church. I want to thank you for making the choice of pressing into community. The truth is, we are an imperfect people, and there will be pain at times as we do life together. Today, we'll see that community isn't easy, but it is worth it. It's a reflection of who we are in Christ. We're going to be reading from Romans chapter 12. So if you have a Bible... Um, You can turn there, the words will also be appearing on the screen behind me. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 says this, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. For by the grace given to me, I say to every one of you do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment, in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just of each of us has one body with many members. And these members do not all have the same function. So in Christ, we, though many, form one body. And each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honour one another above yourselves. Let's pray together. Lord, we do thank you that your word stands forever. We thank you that we can look to your truth and apply it into our lives and know that we will not drift we thank you that you speak to us, and we pray that you would be, uh, your word will be bearing fruit in our midst today, we ask. Amen. Amen. What I'd like us to do is to camp out for a moment in verse 5 before we explore the rest of the passage. Verse 5 tells us, So in Christ, we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We, the church, Those who have put our trust in Jesus as our saviour are one body and we belong to each other. In Christ Jesus, there is incredible unity and interconnectedness. Whether we're in the room or, or watching online or listening back to the podcast, we're to let this truth sink in. We are one body and we belong to each other. And this is such a powerful truth if we neglect it, we are weaker as a church. Well, the basis of our unity is Christ. In Christ, we, though many, form one body. When we put our trust in Jesus, we are united in his death and resurrection. We die to sin and are raised to new life. Baptism is such a powerful picture of this. We're looking forward to baptising Ben later on as he stands and puts his trust in Jesus. Such a powerful picture of being transformed from death, to life, of sins being washed away. And we're so pleased to be able to celebrate with you. As we profess faith in Jesus, we are united with Christ. And also through this, we're united to each other. We've been through death and life together And this brings powerful unity. Filmmakers know the power of life and death experiences, don't they? The rule for for TV shows or films that featuring a pair of police officers is that they need to be as different as humanly possible. One who does things by the book, and the other who delights in breaking every rule in the book and then throwing it out the window. The other rule, though, is that they have to hate each other to begin with, but then grow to become inseparable. What's, what's happened in between? Well, usually they go through life and death experiences together. Things blow up. They get into a shootout. They put their lives in each other's hands. And they come through relatively unscathed. They realize that they belong to each other. It's to be the same for us as a church, although maybe less car chases. We are unified in Christ, brought from death to life. This binds us together with huge strength. And one of the joys of being part of a worldwide family of churches is seeing this in action. When we meet people from widely different backgrounds and cultures, we know immediate connection because there is unity together in Christ. And this is because, Paul tells us, we are one body. Through Scripture, there are many images of the church, of a bride, of temple, of family. Paul here zeroes in on the image of a body. Why does he do this? Well, the body has real unity of purpose and also huge diversity in its makeup. The body has variety of cells, of, of DNA, of nervous system, of organs, of different appendages. They're all working together, and if one part of the body suffers, all are impacted. We know this only we? whenever we feel pain, it affects our, our whole body. A while back, I managed to superglue my hand to my jumper. Um, the, as always happened, this, the top of the superglue uh, got stuck. And when you try to open things, which are, are tight, you, you pull your sleeve of your jumper down, don't you? Um, and you try and undo it. And speaking out loud, I don't know how ridiculous it sounds. Um, and very soon, my hand and my jumper were well and truly stuck together. And at that point, the, best, the rest of my body could have said, hand, you're on your own. Sorry, you got into this mess, now you're going to have to live with it. But no, what it does, it felt the pain and it rushed to deal with the problem. Equally, if you're eating your favorite cake, the whole body enjoys the experience, not just the taste buds. Your feet don't get off for a soul because they're not included in the fun. Why does this happen? The body knows that we belong to each other. The body naturally does what Paul says in verse 15 of Romans 12: rejoice with those who rejoice, mourn with those who mourn. Whereas the pain of superglue or the joy of cake, the body mourns or rejoices. We're to do the same. This is living out the truth that we belong to each other. A powerful example of this happened to us a number of years ago while we were living in London. Uh, my wife Vicky and her friends in the church hoped to get pregnant at the same time and do the journey together, figuring out pregnancy and the stages of motherhood together. They dreamed of the things that they would do and the experiences that they would share. That was until Vicky's friend got pregnant and it was confirmed that we weren't able to have our own kids. And at that point, it would have been so easy for that friendship to drift Those hopes dreamed of weren't going to materialize. It'd be just too difficult to maintain a close friendship where one person would have to squash down their feelings for the benefit of the other. But instead, they made a pact. Vicky's friend wouldn't hold back her joy, and Vicky wouldn't hold back her pain. This wasn't always easy, but they're able to live in much deeper and richer community together. We rejoice with those who rejoice. We mourn with those who mourn. We belong to each other. Community isn't easy, but it is worth it. Community is an expression of unity in Christ, and our life groups are a practical way for us to live this out. Life groups aren't the only place that we do this, but an important way in in which we do so. And joining a life group doesn't mean we do divulge our our deepest secrets in week one. But they do provide a context for friendships to develop and for body life to be expressed. And at the moment, we're currently having to be quite creative. We'd love to be able to meet regularly in homes as we would normally, but we're utilizing Zoom and WhatsApp groups and walks and smaller meetups while we're allowed to do so. And things will look a a little bit different over the coming coming months during lockdown. But we want to do all that we can to build community together. And I love at this point just to say a huge thank you to all of our life group leaders who are doing a brilliant job serving us, helping us to build community together and providing a context for this to happen. You guys are doing an outstanding job and we really appreciate all that you do. Can we just give a little round of applause to our our life group team? So with the rest of the time that uh, I have, I'd love to look briefly at the rest of the passage we read from Romans 12 and look at five reasons why we should bother to press into community and life groups together. Firstly, community is about worship. First one of Romans 12. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Community life needs to have worship at its centre. We're a people set apart for the worship of God. And worshiping community is about response to the revelation of God. In view of God's mercy, Paul tells us. Offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. Our bodies, what God has made us to be, is to bring glory to God. We've been transformed from idolaters to worshipers. When Paul says, in view of God, God's mercy, that word mercy is actually plural, and it's intended to call to mind the mercies that God has given. And this is something that community really helps us in, because there are times when we can become, become despondent and struggle to think of, of anything good. Uh, this week has been like that. Just The whole family has just been a, a little bit down, a little bit narky, struggling to find oh, where, where's the good in, in this situation this week. But in community, we remind one another of God's goodness and join together in praising him. Last week, we read in Psalm 95 in our community Bible reading, Come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Why? In the the next verses, some of the mercies of God are brought to mind. He is our rock. He is our great king above all gods. In his hands are the depths of the earth, the mountain peaks, the seas. He is our maker. We are his people, the flock and his care. We hold on to these truths together. Why do we need life groups for this? Surely if it is all about calling together these, these truths, a, a constant worship service will be much better. Well, Paul says we're to offer our bodies as a living sacrifice to God. Our worship is not just about an hour or so on a Sunday morning or part of one evening midweek. Our whole lives are an offering of worship. Sundays and life groups are important, but this is not the only place where we worship. Our life groups and living community help us to live out lives of worship. Because if we believe that God is our maker, the great king above all gods, the one who sustains us and displays his incredible mercy by giving his one and only son, then this needs to be reflected in our whole lives. And it's in community that this is worked out, helping each other to hold on to this truth when we've had a shocking day at work, about whether we're, when we're worried about whether the money we have will last the end of the month, or when we're fearful about what these coming weeks might bring. This is when we help one another in looking to God. We want an enduring church that testifies to the greatness of God through each and every season. Let me ask you today, have you offered your life to him? Giving ourselves fully is a right response to who God is. A phrase at the end of verse 1, true and proper worship, can also be translated reasonable act of worship. So in light of of who God is and what he has done, have you given your whole life to him? To honor him when things are hard and we don't understand. We are to give our lives to him and to call others to do the same. We're made to tell his glory in the world and to be a community that is defined by worship that draws others to him. So community is about worship. Secondly, worship, uh, community is about one anothering. Community is a place to live out how God wants us to live. The Bible is full of one another instructions serve one another, encourage one another, offer hospitality to one another, carry each other's burdens. The only way we can do this is in community if there are others around us. Paul tells us in verse 2 that we're not to conform to the pattern of this world. Paul's countercultural message continues in the next verse. Do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment. Now, in Rome, people were obsessed with social status. Fillmore says in his commentary on this passage, every Roman knew his station in society, and those above him made sure that he never forget it. We see this also in our own lives. Our natural state is to think of our own needs first and to elevate elevate ourselves above others We saw this at the start of lockdown, when everyone clearing the shelves of loo roll that would last for months and months, without thinking of what that might mean for other people who couldn't get any. However, when we know we belong to each other, we don't consider ourselves on the basis of our merit or our status, but in light of the grace given to us and all that we have through faith. When we grasp the full extent of the gospel, that we only contribute sin to the gospel equation, we know that there's no place in boasting in the greatness of who we are. The only place of boast is in Christ Jesus, who lived the perfect life and died in our place once and for all. So the gospel tells us, our righteousness is found in Christ. We are pure in the sight of God. Our standing is secure. However, in our lives, we are not perfect. We are all broken people, and living in community does remind us of this from time to time. One writer likens our dilemma to that of porcupines, who want to get close, but because of their sharp quills, end up hurting each other as soon as they do so. So, should we just abandon community? No, we remember that we are one body. We belong to each other. Author Brett McCracken says, love isn't a feeling, it's a commitment. Love isn't a feeling, it's a commitment. And life groups are a place for us to do life together. Sunday meetings are, are usually too big for relationships to properly develop. Life groups are a place for us to rely on each other, a place to serve each other. And this does take vulnerability of asking for help when we need to self-isolate, of praying, of asking someone to pray for that meeting that we're really dreading, <clears throat> or of writing a card, someone writing a card to encourage us when we've had a tough week. Community is about one anothering. Thirdly, community is about Unity. And we've already spent time looking at Paul's example of the body in verse 4 and 5, so we're not going to linger here too long. But I do just want us to note that knowing that we are one body through our union with Christ has huge implications for how we live. And it's vital to have the truth of Scripture shape our thoughts and actions. Knowing that we are one in Christ changes how we view each other. Knowing that we are the body and working this out in community, we know that we are a people on one mission. We're not independent, but we are interdependent. Living in community gives us the opportunity to dig into truths like this and to learn from each other. A key part of our life groups is for us to apply God's words directly into our lives, to talk it out and to work out what it means for us today. And in doing this, we are built together in greater unity, being well fed so that we can grow into maturity. Community is about one another. Fourthly, community is about diversity. In our passage, we come to next a a list of different gifts. And this isn't exhaustive, but it gives a flavor of some of the varied ways that God has gifted people. This is how the message phrases verses 6 to 8. If you preach, just preach God's message, nothing else. If you help, just help. Don't take over. If you teach, stick to your teaching. If you... Give encouraging guidance. Be careful that you don't get bossy. If you're put in charge, don't manipulate. If you're called to give aid to people in distress, keep your eyes open and be quick to respond. If you work with a disadvantage, don't let yourself get irritated with them or depressed by them. Keep a smile on your face. Notice that throughout when each gift is mentioned, it's the common good that is important. important. Not everyone being amazed at how gifted we are. Paul is saying we all have different gifts. But in it all, remember we are one body and that we belong to each other. The source of the gifts is, is the grace of God. So we can't boast. They're, they're gifts. They're given to us, not because of our merit. We haven't earned them. They're our grace gift. It's so actually really important to be alongside people who aren't like us and don't think like us. People who have different backgrounds and different experiences. People who are just starting out on life and those who have lived much more than us. Life groups are a brilliant way to do this. It can lead to misunderstandings or challenges because we don't always agree. But unity is not dependent on 100% agreement on everything. Again, Brett McCracken says, we can stand shoulder to shoulder on mission even if we don't see eye to eye on everything. Diversity and unity is hugely powerful. And it's shown in in the nature of God. God is, is three persons. Each person has a different role and acts in a different way, yet there's powerful unity. So in community and in life groups, we have the opportunity to use the gifts that God has given us. Let's be using them. And expecting God to speak to us and through us and use it to encourage others. Fifth and finally, I want us to see that community is about being real. Verse 9 says, Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Community is a place to be sincere, to be real. John Bloom, writing on Desiring God, says this about the word sincere. According to folk history, the English word sincere comes from two Latin words, sign, without, and wax, sorry, and sera, wax. In the ancient world, dishonest merchants would use wax to hide defects, such as cracks, in their pottery, so they could sell their merchandise at a higher price. More reputable merchants would hang a sign over their pottery, Sign Sarah without wax to inform customers that their merchandise was genuine. He continues, I'm no etymological expert, but I have witnessed plenty of misleading marketing by mendacious merchants in my time. So the explanation seems plausible to me. I mean, is there not a lot of wax hiding a lot of defects all around us? In community, we don't need to fill the cracks. We let them show Friendships are built on honesty. Paul here says we're to honour one another above ourselves. And how do we show honour? Well, we tell them like it really is. We're saying, I trust you with my pains, with my joys, and my sadnesses. On Sundays, it's so easy to be just a face in the crowd and say, Yep, yeah, this week's been fine, thanks. But life groups are a place where we can do friendship. And it can be hard, so hard, to be vulnerable, to share what's really going on in our lives. But remember, back in verse 1, Paul calls us brothers and sisters. We're family, the very place where we can be ourselves without pretending. And we don't want anyone to drift out of church life because they haven't made a meaningful relational connection. We don't want anyone to think no one really cares whether I'm part of this church or not. We belong to each other and this should be worked out in genuine, real friendships. So as I close, I also want to highlight that community is right at the very heart of God's future hope. Revelations 21 verse 3 said, God's dwelling is now among the people and he will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be their God. God has chosen for himself a people. We belong to him and we belong to each other. Through Christ we know unity, life, and hope. So let me encourage you to press into community through these strange times and to commit into life group. There are contexts for worship, of pointing people to the wonders of God. There are a place where we can serve one another. It's where we can powerfully express unity as we apply God's word where we can use our gifts with the diversity that God gives. And it's a place where we can build real friendship and not just be a face in the crowd. Can I invite you to stand as we pray? Lord God, we do thank you that you've called us. We thank you that you've called us to know you. We thank you that we are your people, and Lord Jesus, you've given your life so that we can live with freedom, we can live with joy, we can share our joys and sorrows. We thank you that you've placed us together. I pray that we would be those that are living out this truth, that we belong to each other, and that we'd be constantly pointing one another to you to fix our eyes on the greatness of who you are of all you've given King Jesus we praise you for your grace we ask when we respond for your glory Amen let's continue in our worship